Hello, comic book fans. I am Pete, and I'm with my good friend Brian, and we are Comic Books Transformed, where we talk about the comic book media that's been adapted into TV shows or movies, uh, a lot of times streaming shows. We've covered a lot of Disney Plus shows, and every so often we cover a show that's been put out on Netflix. Just like one of your very favorite shows, right, Brian? Jupiter's Legacy? Oh, my absolute favorite. <laughs> The, uh, the Sparrows are flying again tonight, Brian. Do you remember that song when we had our own black metal band? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's see. I guess that's going back to when we were, like, in our early 20s. We're almost 40 yes. or Brian's 40. That's yeah. still, what, what seven, 17, 18 years ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian and I were in a black metal band called Blasphemous Machine, and um, our friend Jay was a big Stephen King fan. And he was inspired by the Dark Hat, and so he titled one of the songs The Sparrows Are Flying Again, and that's from the Dark Hat. So whenever they talk about sparrows in the show, I think about our black metal band. <laughs> if you guys are wondering, Brian was the guitarist, and I was the bassist, and Jay was the singer. Yes, and then we, we can't forget my cousin Owen was the drummer, and, uh, and our, our friend Gary was the other guitar player. And um, we played a total of one show in my backyard. <laughs> There's like 80 people there, though. That was pretty awesome. It was. And I, I swear to God, I think more people came to it because it was my house rather than that club. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think we've mentioned on our show before that we have a videotape of that, but that my, like, mom taped some British drama over it one night. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I Basically, I'm so excited. I at least have the music somewhere. <laughs> yes, yes. We definitely have the music. Yeah. No, um... You know, we had a videotape recording of the show, and it was, like, an awesome show. Um, and then my mom, when she moved here, I saw that she had the tape. I popped in my VCR ready to reminisce and feel that nostalgia. And then, like, Downton Abbey came on. I was like, what the fuck? That feels like something out of, like, a TV show we'd watch. Yes, yes. And speaking of, like, black metal music and just badass music, we are talking about the Umbrella Academy, which was made by My Chemical Romance uh, frontman Gerard Way and amazing artist Gabriel Ba. And they um, published that comic from Dark Horse in 2008. And this show came out on Netflix in 2019. Now, Brian, you are a big fan of the comic, right? I love the comic, yeah. It's it's just got this weird kind of strange um, sci like 50s sci-fi comic vibe to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I've, I've always been a big fan of it. Yeah, we have covered uh, season three of Doom Patrol. It's kind of a similar situation. Like, we covered season three of Doom Patrol. We didn't cover the first two seasons. And um, I had to kind of, like, catch up to watch that. And now we're doing the exact same thing for Umbrella Academy. I, I basically, like, fast-forwarded through the first two seasons to get up to here. Um, so you're going to remember a lot more than I do because I, I, I watched season one and two when they came out. So uh, my memory's a bit more fuzzy. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. Well, um, have you, like, just started watching season three, and this is, like, your first time now, or did you go back and watch it again? First time. I've only watched the first three episodes so far. Actually, I did start the very fourth for, like, Me too. five seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I am very curious, right? Um, what is your impression of this show, just in general? Um, the show is very different from the comics. They take... A couple things here and there, and they and then they add a lot of different things or a lot of variations to it. Uh, I, I just previously mentioned I feel like the comic is very strange in like a 
weird 1950s sci-fi kind of pulpy way. And the show is more like strange in like a goofy way. Yes. But yes. also kind of incorporates some more serious subject matter. More so in season two, I think. Um, yeah. And potentially this season as well. Uh, and I do like both. I, I actually I, – I didn't like season one that much. Mm-hmm. But season two, it was so different. I kind of just like, you know, let let the attachment go, sort of, and, and I, I enjoyed season two a lot more than one. Yes. So you and I have never discussed this show prior to this, and so you don't know how I feel about it. And I have to say, I kind of fucking love this show like a lot. Okay. I yeah yeah season one, it's like you said, it, you know there's some there's some things that are a little off. It, it it does kind of feel like it drags a little bit, and it, it deviates from the comic a lot. Yeah, it, it is its own thing in every single season. I just feel like the choices they made in season one, it, like it's just they do kind of things just to kind of spin the wheels and and you know drag yeah. it out. Well, I don't know. This is a this is a comic series that has three volumes and there's six issues each. But yeah. for some reason, this show has is it ten episodes a season or eight yeah. or nine. So no, it, ten. There's a lot that just like drags out in that first season. Yeah, and they took a lot. They took a decent amount of story points from from volume two of the comic and added that to season one as well. And still, it feels really dragged out. That's right. Yeah. I so another thing just to explain to you guys too is that um, I've taken out all the trades from the library i've read like the first volume i've read this i'm in the middle of the second volume right now um and then there's the third volume too i need to get around to but wait have one, you never read the third volume no i've read i've read all of it when okay, it's come yeah. out it's just i'm just yeah. refreshing it and yeah, so I, I, I've, I've reread the first volume of the comic uh for this but i haven't gotten much further yet yeah yeah and um what's really interesting is you, you said they took stuff from the second volume and put it into the first season of the show and that that's the biggest change. That's kind of the part I dislike the most about the first season is the stuff with Hazel and Cha Cha. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I re- oh, I forget which one is which. So Hazel is the guy, and Cha Cha is Mary J. Blige. I loved Hazel. I uh, loved Hazel and Agnes. I don't know why. That yeah. was like one of my favorite parts of the first season. But okay. I was not a fan of um, Mary J. Blige's Cha Cha. Uh, okay. she was a little, um, uh, like bland acting wise, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, she's not, she's not, she's an amazing singer. Uh, she's not really known for acting, I suppose. Um, yeah. but you know, that was, that was a highlight of season one for me, actually, <laughs> that, that oh. weird storyline. So yeah. Yeah. Well, like with Hazel and Chacha, it's interesting because like I was reading through volume one of the book and I'm like, Oh shit, they're not in it at all. And then they're in volume two. And essentially, they're wearing those masks that they wear in the first season, um, and you never see their faces. And also, Hazel and Chacha are—it looks like it's two men in the comic. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, they're, they are. Uh, other than those masks, they are very different in the comics, and I can yeah. see why someone wouldn't like them because of that. Yeah, in the comics, they're just so like crazy and and lethal, and they do some horrible things to you know these people that work in the diner. Um, and then in the comic, in the show, we see like this kind of romance, like you mentioned with Hazel and the woman that works in the donut shop. Um, and then they kind of turn on each other. There's all the stuff with the commission. Um, one thing that I think is a big departure from the comic is just the overall look, 
right? It, it, obviously, they're working on a budget, and they have to kind of make it match with our world more than this, like, comic book world that Gerard Way and Gabriel Bob put together. And Gerard Way, when you look at his My Chemical Romance, like, videos, and when you look at his other comics, like the Fabulous Killjoys, there's there's obviously, like, an aesthetic there. It's like kind of like a little bit of, like, a retro, maybe even, like, Japanese look to it. Um, you know, like, their masks that Cha-Cha and Hazel wore, these sort of, like, kind of look like they're, like, from, like, a Japanese toy store or something like that, right? And, yeah. and it's also, like you said, like a 50s aesthetic where a lot of people are wearing, like, suits and, and, you know, fedora hats and things like that. And they capture a little bit of that in the show, but the show is much more normal looking than the comic yeah the comic is very exaggerated almost cartoony and uh yeah. it'd be kind of hard to to replicate that in real life i, I almost kind of wondered if this would work better as like an animated series oh thousand percent yes yes now with that being said i still fucking love this show like i love it and the main reason why i love this show is because the characters like i feel like they're my friends i just want to like when we're done talking here i just want to go watch them some more and hang out with them like I, I love it because of the characters and so i wanted to our next step well actually one thing before we get to this next step which was to talk about the individual characters i just thought it was very interesting to talk about who made this show do you, do you know anything about the people behind the scenes yes but please go ahead <laughs> yeah, yeah so the reason why i think i love this show so much is because one of the showrunners is steve blackman who was a writer and producer on Fargo. Fargo's like one of my favorite TV shows ever. Um, and then also he did Altered Carbon. I haven't really watched that. And then he did Legion. I've only seen a little bit of Legion, but you you love Legion, right? I, I've only seen the first season, but yes, Legion was incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like when you have someone like that behind the scenes where they want to, like they're actively trying to make something different. They want to, you know, not just do generic stuff. They want to, do different types of shots and, you know, do almost like music video style filmmaking. Like, I love that. And I think that's where this show really excels with that, like kind of unexpected stuff. And then um, the characters. And then besides that, the other person that works on the show is Jeremy Slater. And um, he did like the original treatment for that Josh Trank, fantastic four movie. He also uh, wrote the Netflix death note movie, which I don't think, that went over well. Did not. Uh, you also worked on the Exorcist TV show, and then you and I discussed another one of his shows that he was the producer on, and that was the Moon Knight show. Moon Knight, yep. So his his track record's not as tight, but as you can see, it's like imaginative stuff, and it's all over the place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, I want to know what you think about the characters of the actual, the Umbrella Academy. Um. This is a hard one uh, to, to, to answer, honestly. Um, from the comics, from the comics originally, the characters that I gravitated towards the most were um, Luther, Allison, and Five. In the show, um, they're especially, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it changes for me by season. I know that the, the internet is obsessed with Klaus. Yeah. Um, I I don't know I, I don't know who my favorite character is in the show actually I I can't really decide. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things that you said right off the bat when we started talking about this show was that with uh, Diego and uh, Luther, 
they have that kind of like Leonardo and Raphael dynamic in the comics. They kind of have it in season one of the show. But one big difference with Luther in the show is that they've made him like a goofball. Yeah, so I, I mean, you know, rereading uh, Apocalypse, you know, in the last couple of days, it, it it kind of fits a little bit. I mean, even the very beginning of Dallas, too. Um, I, I think why I like Luther in the comics was he was essentially the Cyclops, you know? The, right. The strategic kind of leader type. And, um, but, you know... In the in the comic in the first volume at the end the final battle against the uh, the, the the orchestra, you know, uh, Allison gets hurt and he he leaves he just leaves the yeah. battle, and then you know that kind of kind of shows that he's not as responsible as he should be. And then you know the the beginning of the second arc he, he kind of put on a lot of weight and he's kind of just sitting there watching TV. So yeah. I, I can kind of see where they they got the inspiration to make him a little more of a goofball here. Um, yeah, but it, it, it they definitely took that aspect and ran with it. Yeah, well, I should say that he, I feel like he is perfectly cast for like yes. the character that he's playing. He's excellent. Every single member of the Hargreaves family, the Umbrella Academy, everyone's perfectly cast. Yes, and, I uh, yeah, I you know at first I, I thought it was like a little much for him being a goofball and. You know, because it's like he's supposed to be the leader. He's number one, but he's kind of silly. Um, but I, I really love that that he loves Allison. And, um, you know, it's that sort of unrequited love where he's trying to get with her. It's interesting when we get to season three, how things kind of change a little bit. And I want to talk about that when we go into the episodes. Um, I, I do like Allison. It, her power in the comics and this is maybe the most intriguing power to be able to say, I heard a rumor and you can essentially control people. Um when I went on a little road trip with my family recently, I asked them, whose powers would you want out of the Umbrella Academy? And everyone was like, oh, I want the rumors powers. Like, you know, like that's the obvious one. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, she's great. I, I think, though, that you mentioned that Kloss was the sort of the Internet's favorite. And I can totally see why. I've never seen the actor that plays him before. Have you seen him in anything else? Yes, he. Uh, I've not seen it, but I believe he's from the the, the British show Misfits or something oh, like that. Oh, he's in that. Yeah, I know what that is. I never watched it though. Yeah, uh, I I want to say it's Misfits, but I could be wrong. I, he's from some some other popular British show. That's all I remember. Okay, well, I I freaking love him too. I I understand why the internet loves him because he's just like so over the top and just his affect and and he's a good looking dude too. Everybody in the cast is good looking and um. You know, he's just so, like, silly and fun. He's he's awesome. He, he's close to my favorite. I, I also like Diego, too. Like, I didn't like Diego in the first season as much, but as it's gone on, I've liked him a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually think that, um, you know, I, I don't think I even liked Luther and Allison that much in the first season. Uh, yeah. I think that was disappointing to me. But season two, I re everybody was just such so much better. <laughs> yes. Overall. Yeah. So, like... Then we have to, number five. We got to talk about him too, because like this actor, and you know, I have all their names written down, but just the actor that plays number five, he just does this fantastic job of like conjuring this sort of nineteen fifties curmudgeonly old man, but he's probably like a teenager. Yeah. And I I know that like you know the show started filming in two thousand nineteen. Obviously, he's gotten older, and he does look slightly older, but they've just by, by the way that he holds himself and his haircut. He, he still looks yeah, very young. How they dress him really helps to kind of make him look a little younger too. But 
they uh, yeah. they moved a little bit away from that in season three, it seems. But yeah, but um, just he's just so great too. I mean, every single member of the family is great. I, I would say that my favorites would have to be like Diego uh, and you know Claus uh, and Number Five. You know, which you know, just look at the poster, I get so excited. And then before I forget about it, I don't know if the show ever reaches this height that um, it reaches in season two where um, they play uh, Kisses, I Was Made for Loving You. Do you remember that part? Uh, I don't. Ah, uh, like it was just, it was just like this perfect blend of like what was going on, on the screen and, you know, what was going on in the show. You know, that, and it, that I really have not listened to that song, I Was Made for Loving You by Kiss that much. But yeah. it just was like so fucking awesome. It was this battle that was in this hotel, and number five was in it. Diego was in it, and Diego's girlfriend Lila was in it. So okay. fucking good. That sounds yeah. a little more familiar now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's what I wanted to talk about too. Is you know we're such huge fans of the Transformers the movie, and I always talk about how that has like this perfect blending of what you're seeing on screen and then the music, right? And this show, I often feel like. They're not like, oh, let's set up an action scene. It's more like, oh, let's set up a music video. Because there's like so many sort of like musical montages. And I feel like the battles and stuff are just like musical montages with fighting. Yeah, yeah. And and they, they've always kind of incorporated like a major song and dance number. In, like in yeah. every season. Um, what was the song they used in the first season? I forgot. Was it all kind of like dancing in the rooms by themselves? Oh, oh yes, uh, I think we're alone now. Oh, I think we're alone. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what did they use in season two then? Um, what in season two? <laughs> well, in, in season three, I can tell you that they they played Footloose when they Footloose, had their dance yeah, off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they use a ton of shit, and and the cool thing is, is it's not like Stranger Things where it's like, oh, it's all '80s stuff. It's it's all over the fucking map. They play stuff from like the '60s and the '70s, the '80s, modern yeah, day it, stuff. It, it, it doesn't matter if, if they're in the 60s, they will play a song that's from the 80s or the 90s or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and they're one of the shows, there's at least three shows now that have played this Radiohead song, which is like Exit Music for a Film. I think that's the name of it. I should have wrote it down. But it's this song they used in like uh, Westworld. They played it in an episode of Black Mirror. And it's this big, epic song. They, they played it in um, season one when Vanya like first used her power for the first time. And... Um, just I, like anytime a show uses that song, I'm like that's you should, that's a great fucking choice. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I mean, obviously you can tell I'm a fan. Maybe we should uh, move on to season three and start going into the details about each episode. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So um, basically, by the end of season two, after the the team has been um, sort of scattered into different years, and they're in Dallas, Texas, they all come together. And they hop back to the present day, but they turn, it turns out they're in a new timeline. And um, the Umbrella Academy doesn't exist in this timeline. Instead, we have the Sparrow Academy. And um, we have a whole new team. And uh, they were not in the comics, right? They are. So okay. they, they are literally in the last page of Volume 3 of the comic. Mm -hmm. That's it. They, just, they show up. <laughs> They, they save the day, and then at the very end, they show up. Mm -hmm. and you, you just well, see a picture of them, and, and they're fairly fairly accurate to, to those those character designs, as far as I can tell. 
Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I would love to see what they do with them in the comics. What do you think about the team on the show? Uh, well, I really like the, the the altered timeline premise here. It's almost like it's very Back to the Future-esque. Yes. Um, you know, in the second season, they meet their their father, Reginald Harvey, when they were younger. And then he finds out their whole origin story. And then by just meeting them, he's like, I'm going to get different ones than uh, <laughs> I, I just right. love that for some reason. And, and that's what changed time here. Uh, yes. So, you know, the so um, the, the difference being here is that, that because he didn't see Ben at all, because no, only Klaus can see him, uh, that right. Ben is still selected. And then the other six are, are different than, you know, the, the Umbrella Academy was. Um, right. The characters seem uh, are, are interesting enough in the first three three episodes. Um, you know, some of them we don't – some of them we see more of than others. Right. I'll say. Yes. And uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I can pick a favorite yet or anything like that. Um, I I, I kind of have liked the the storyline with Sloane and Luther a little. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I like that this Ben is a little kind of angrier and uh, you know doesn't quite understand why everyone's calling him. Uh, knows who he is or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had that actor had such a great scene in season two where it was like, essentially he was moving on to heaven or the afterlife. And he, you know, he was leaving after being with Klaus since, you know, he had died. Um, that was such a great scene. And then it was great to see him come back. His that's uh, Justin H. Min. He was great. Um, but he's a total dick. And when he's on the Sparrows team, yes, <laughs> he was number two on the Sparrows team. And then eventually he makes his way up to number one. We're going to talk about that as we go episode by episode. But um, the, the Sparrows are kind of like the, you know, the alpha team compared to the Umbrella Academy, which are like, you know, they all have these issues and that they don't work well together for the most although, part. Although that seems, that's, that's, their, that's how they're viewed on the surface. You know, they're, they're, right. they're, seen, they're, they're seen as kind of like protectors and saviors, but there's definitely something going on underneath that they have, we haven't quite figured out yet. Yeah, they're definitely dysfunctional and they are not as like you know caring or compassionate as the umbrella academy is and so um you know it, it's just this interesting mishmash the, the, the umbrella academy the way that the show works it, it works as like an x-men show they, they could easily be mutants yeah totally you know they're, and, they're and, a bunch and, of gifted gifted young younger people then they live in a mansion in the city yeah yeah right exactly and so um you know, the, the Sparrows are this great, like, other team with powers for them to go up against. And in that very first episode, which is entitled Meet the Family, you know, we have both teams going up against each other. And it's just so great to see people with superpowers fighting each other, which, like, you don't really see. You know, like, we only have a few teams in these live-action modern movies, right? We only have, like, the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Justice League. And pretty much always they're fighting just big armies of things, right? And, yeah, and so it's all all the times that we've had a, a hero and villain face off with the same power set in different ideals, we haven't really seen that team once. Yeah, right. I mean, maybe the only thing that we've really seen is like in Civil War, right? When the two different sides are coming together, yeah. right? But like, you know, all the, the Sparrow's powers are, are kind of funny too. Like you have um, the one guy, Alfonso, who like his face just looks like melted like 
butter or something, you know? Uh, and, and and he he doesn't he seem like um what's this Mark Ruffalo to you that actor? I can kind of see that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's funny. He, he's you know he's this sort of like smart ass on the team, and then and then you have this guy Marcus who's like this alpha guy. He kind of almost seems like he has the same powers as um Luther, but I yeah. think he maybe is more like gymnast, you know, uh, acrobatic than Luther. Yes. Uh, he, he didn't look like he was been injected with Martian ape DNA or what, however they explained it in the show. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think they ever explained it in the show. They just injected him, and then he just you know he did that. Um, yeah. And then you have Sloane, who you mentioned, which she has like kind of telekinesis. Um, then there is shit. I have all their names written down, but there is um, uh, Faye with the, uh, the the crows, as you can see out of out of their eyes. Um, yeah, well, she can like generate them too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's cool. Uh, like, aesthetically, she's real cool to look at. Um, then you have the one that's just like spitting venom all the time. Yeah, I think I think it's Jamie. Okay, yeah, Jamie. Right, right, right. And, and then, then there's Christopher, a cube. And Christopher the Cube. Yeah, right, which I, I made a little joke that he's like the Kaiser Thrall from Young Justice. And then what, what was the kid's name that was the Kaiser Thrall on Young Justice? You remember? Oh, no, I remember already. No, I forgot already. It, it is a very almost like generic sounding name. Right. But, I mean, because in, in episode three, he even does a thing that's like the Kaiser Thrall. And, yes, uh, he, he kind of holds them all down with, with red light, which is exactly what the mind-controlled Kaiser Thrall did. Right, right. So, I mean, yeah, there's this dysfunctional uh, group. In, in uh, episode Danny one... Chase. What's that? Danny Chase. Danny Chase. Okay, okay, so not Christopher. Okay, thank you for looking that up. Uh, in episode one of season three, Meet the Family... The Umbrella Academy goes to their mansion, and they have a face-off with the Sparrow Academy, and everyone's using their powers. Um, Jamie spits some of that toxin on Diego, and he has this little, you know, trippy moment where he imagines the teams just having a dance-off. And I think that that's sort of the the most uh, memed or, like, gif-made scene of the season so far, you know? Yeah, no, I, like I said, they, they they seem to do these coordinated dance sequences through, uh, in each season. I think this is the big one here. It's good to get get it out in the first episode there to draw, kind of draw people in. And then yeah. kind of, you know, just get them hooked and then keep going. Yeah, because it was extensive, too. It was, like, pretty much the whole song. Yeah, it was Yeah, it was a good three, four-minute sequence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just remember, like, Luther going like this, and I was just like, oh, my God, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, she she shoots the the toxin on five, and five has this really great moment where he sees the mannequin that he was obsessed with, you know, that he spent time with in the future, and then the mannequin actually becomes a woman, and I just I was actually really touched by that scene. Yeah, uh, I think that was that was well done, and um, it I, I did think they they went a little too far with it, or did it a little too much in the first season. But yeah. this, was, uh, this was a much more condensed kind of version of it, and I, I think it's better when it's done like that. Because there was just there was too much of that in season one, I think. Yeah. Well, that's one of the points about this show, right? Is that it's almost like they take all the written components of the comic and they translate it into this. Because there is this thing where he is obsessed with a mannequin in the um, yes. comic. Yes. You know, and, and they do go to Vietnam, but actually a few of the brothers go to Vietnam in the comic as well. Like Yeah, uh, Luther, Diego, and Klaus all go instead of just Klaus. 
Zedra's class, right? So, so like they and that's kind in of, volume you, two, not and, and that, that took place in season one, in in the in the show. Right, right. So they kind of do like check off the box of everything that happens in the comic. It's just a, in a lot of ways, it's a much more dramatic retelling of it, and sometimes it can be silly, but they're still doing it in some form. Yeah. Um. I mean, they even had uh. Po- Go, Pogo? Pogo, Pogo, right? Pogo, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's even in um the first season too. But um, and I know I'm kind of going off on a little tangent here. But one thing I noticed that was different in the comic is that Pogo's not the only like ape running around. Yes, in the comics, um, Professor Hargreaves is like like they they kind of, you know, the the, the book opens with all his accomplishments. Yeah. And why he's um you know, why he's kind of looking for these children, I suppose. And then one of them was that he, he won a Nobel Prize for, like, uh, advancing, uh, like, whatever he did with the chimpanzees. Like, uh, yeah, simian something. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, simian brains, uh, nor, neuro, neurological research or something. Yeah. And in season two, just as a refresher, since you haven't seen it in a while, they have this opening sequence where they send Pogo up into space in a rocket ship. Yes. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they play they play um you know Major Tom like not not the David Bowie song but the 80s one that is yeah. like the callback to it. Um and that sequence is so fucking great too. And that was another character that we forgot to mention. The Umbrella Academy has this android mother and she's in every season too and we see a um like a human, ver- um, like her human model in season two, like who she's inspired by. Yes, and, and she helped uh, Hargreaves with Pogo in, in the second season. Yes, yeah. Um, but just to kind of bring it back, so so Hargreaves is still with the Sparrow Academy in this current timeline, and uh, the android is with them too. It, it's pretty much the same setup, except that all the the kids are different now. Yeah. So. They have their battle, the Umbrella Academy leaves, and they go to the Hotel Obsidian. Yes. Now, that's different from the comics, too. Yes. So, in the comics, the the third volume is called the Hotel Oblivion. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's essentially a prison in another dimension for the villains of the Umbrella Umbrella Academy. um, Which they haven't really done the villains very closely in, in, in here. I mean, outside of Mass for Hazel and Cha Cha, um, you know, you, you do see the, the the leader of the uh, the, the commission with the fish. the fish head, um, but they haven't really done the the, the more traditional looking villains uh, in the in the show like the like the, like the conductor uh, from from season one was just like a kind of a guy, and you know he was in the comic he was this guy with a mask, and then he he, he does die, but uh, then there's like Doctor Terminal and um, who else is there? They, 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 have like, a, they have like a giant uh, Abraham Lincoln statue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. The, um, yeah. There's a battle against an Abraham Lincoln statue. There's a battle that they fight the Eiffel Tower. Like a <laughs> yeah, right, right. Tower. Um, it, it's really weird, weird stuff. And yeah. the show hasn't done that exactly uh, with the villains. They, they tend to humanize them a lot more, I think. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's clear distinctions from the show and the comic, and with the Hotel Obsidian, that is once again a, a big change. Um, in episode two, which we're gonna get to in a second, 
uh, Hargreaves does say Oblivion. He kind of whispers that. And so I wonder if that's like alluding to the hotel might actually be the Hotel Oblivion. Yeah, I, I mean, you can also kind of tell there's some weird stuff going on in this place. Um, there's a lot of weirdly dressed characters around. Um, yeah. And just the fact that the, 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 our, you know, the Umbrella Academy is just staying there for, the, you know, they paid for, what, what was it, a month or something? Uh, yeah. With, what was it, a watch? I, I don't remember what it was in the first episode. It was a watch. Yeah, Luther had the special weird watch. Stuff that, like, nobody's bothered by Diego walking around with knives or anything like that or stashing Molotov cocktails around. It's just – it's something is just strange about this place in general. Yeah. Even its design is very strange too, yeah. yeah. And D- Diego walking around with his knives, he gets a surprise in the Hotel Obsidian. He runs into Lila, and to him, he's only seen Lila a couple of days ago, but it's been years, and it turns out that – when they had sex, she got pregnant, and they have a son named um, uh, fuck. I wish I could remember his name. Uh, oh, Stan, 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 like Stanley. There you go. So uh, yeah, that was that was surprising, especially you know, uh, Lila is an original creation here with the show. Uh, I did like Lila last season. Uh, it, it turns out she was also one of the the forty three children that were born on October first, nineteen eighty nine. Yes. Um, and although I don't remember why. She's around. The, you know, she was there longer than them. That doesn't didn't make sense. Was she she stole the briefcase and she was traveling around, or they they hadn't explained that. I don't think it. It's kind of confusing to figure out her motivation in season three so far because with well, I'm three, just trying to place why she's ten years older or she she's been uh, you know uh, how their son is ten years old now basically because they all travel together. I thought. At the end, but why wasn't she with them? I don't remember oh. that in season two. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that in the end of season two, if I can recall, she like gets her own briefcase and like leaves them. Leaves, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, and there's also fallout from season two. We see, I, I believe, even by the first episode of this season, there's this older man, uh, and he is, um actually this kid that Vanya interacted with in the 60s when they were trapped back there. His name's Lester on the show, um, but his name was Harlan in season two. He's this little boy named Harlan. And he kind of seemed like he had autism. I don't know what he had, though, but that that was sort of the way I I felt like they were portraying him as a kid. Um, And his mom ended up having this relationship with Vanya at the time. And Vanya fell deeply in love with her. And at one point, he was drowning in a, a little lake and she like used her power to make the water fly away. And then her power kind of went into him. And it looks like as an older man, he's going to be playing a big part in this season. And um, also once we get to episode two of this season, uh, which is called uh, the world's biggest ball of twine, we see that um uh, that Vanya has now become Victor. And that yeah. kind of coincides with Ellen Page becoming Elliot Page. Yeah, so much like I feel that um, Vanya's storyline was uh, kind of coincided with, with, at the time, Ellen Page's, you know, outing as, herself as a lesbian. Um, you know, the, the, kind of, the show kind of changes with, with her, with, uh, with him, sorry. 
Uh, yeah. That, that's, that's an interesting way to, to incorporate it into the storyline. It, it's fine. I, I kind of really appreciated how everyone just was like, oh, okay, sure. Right. Right. That was the best part. Pretty much you see every sibling's reaction to Vanya becoming Victor, and everyone is cool about it. No one asks any kind of stupid questions. No one, like, says, why would you do that? It's just everyone's like, oh, okay. Let's look. Can we talk about other things? Can we move on? I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and one of the points I wanted to make, too, was that a, a major part of this show is changing things in the past and, like, kind of changing the trajectory of things or changing the way that things happen. And I feel like the show is, like, the ultimate meta example of that because they change things from the comic and because of that, it, like, births new things on the show. Like, all of a sudden you have, uh, uh, what the fuck, we were just Lila, this new character, and then it turns out, well, she was another one of these kids. Then it's like, then she had a kid with Diego, so now you have, like, this new son in the show, and that's not in the comic at all. So there's, like, all these new things being born out of it. And, like, with Vanya, I, I still need to finish volume two, and I need to finish volume three. But, like, I don't really remember Vanya having that much of a prominent role, but she's got a very prominent role in the show. Yes. She doesn't uh, – her her season two storyline was completely original. Uh, I don't think she was even really in volume two um, of the comic that much because she was still kind of recovering. And then, she was recovering. Like, um, like, Allison couldn't talk in the comic in Dallas, in the comic Dallas, the second yeah. one. And so she's, like – walking around with a notepad like to write things and Vanya is kind of like imprisoned and recovering and so there's this one part where like Allison like makes her see like the damage that she caused but that's pretty much all I've seen of her in volume two yeah and I think she she comes back and has a more prominent role in volume three but I have to get back and read it again so hopefully yeah. I'll have that done by the time we watch the next set of episodes yeah ditto me too me too um but yeah, it's just, it's so cool how like it just starts to go off in all these different directions. Like obviously, in the second volume of the comic, you know they go back to the time of the Kennedy assassination, and there's some time hopping around. But in this show, they did this thing where like they all landed at different points in time, and they had their own little story arcs. And each arc was great, you know. Like uh, Klaus started his own cult, and Diego fell in love with Lila, and he was in a mental institution. He's trying to stop the Kennedy assassination. Um, and so now it's all kind of spilling over into this season. And we find out in World's Biggest Ball of Twine that there is this, like, force that they have kind of created. They, they call it the grandfather paradox. And at the very end of season three, episode one, um, we see that this force is, like, really powerful and can just wipe people out. It wipes out Marcus from the Sparrow Academy. Yes. Were you uh, expecting that when that happened? Uh, no, uh, I didn't think that we would lose a member of the Sparrow Academy that quickly. Um, and you know, it, it, so far it's also taken the, uh, the, the hotel guy's dog and, uh, it, something, uh, the, the, the lobsters in the tank and all those cows in that field by the ball of twine. So it's, 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 it's some kind of weird pulse that's happening and it's has some far reaching effects and it's now it's starting to take people as well. And, uh, in addition to. You know marcus yeah and um i know that in the fourth episode they say the name of like what the thing is but it's essentially like they've kind of broken time and it's this pulse 
and I, I think that that's going to ultimately be the, like the big bad they have to face. Every time there's this, you know, each season there is like an apocalyptic threat. So that's the apocalyptic threat for this season. Seems like it, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's see. Let's see what I've written for episode two. Um, so Klaus and Fine go on a road trip, and they end up going to this Amish village. Um, because they're essentially trying to track down the mothers, their mothers, and then they want to see if their doppelgangers exist. But then we find out their doppelgangers don't exist because each of their mothers died before the day they were supposed to get pregnant. Yeah, it seems, it seems like they all died on the day they were supposed to be born. Uh, yeah. Beforehand. Uh, and, you know, th- these pregnancies were unnatural in the comics. Uh, I, I don't know if they quite explained it in the same way, but they, 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 they were sudden and, you know, all happened at the exact same time. So, yeah. They in the comics, it's weird because it almost like it's almost like they're suggesting that it had something to do with this like wrestling match between this incredible wrestler and like a squid monster. Yes, and that's so the kind weird. of weird. That's the kind of weird that the comic is. That right, the show doesn't touch as much. Right, and so the show doesn't suggest what caused the pregnancies yet. However, when they show the pregnancies, it's like almost like a horror movie. Because you always have like some woman and, and there's like a little bit of a romantic scene with someone and maybe she kisses someone and then like two minutes later she's like going into labor and, it, yeah. and it's like a horror movie. It's real scary. Yes. Yeah. So um, let's see. The in th- that scene though, we, you know, we go to this Amish community and uh, you know there's some great bonding between Diego, not Diego, uh, Five and Klaus, and um, you know we find out that Klaus is mother would have been an Amish woman, but then she died before she gave birth. Um, and then we have this fight between Alfonso and Jamie and then Diego and Stan. What do you think of that fight? Uh, it's a pretty on par fight with, with the show. Uh, you know, they, they, they kind of have a, 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 a almost mean, not, not meaningless fight, but it's just in a weird location. It's just in like a CVS or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's not- Exactly, look like a Walgreens to be honest. Right, right, right. They're gonna strangle someone with a long receipt or something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, in the fight, and Diego and Stan are able to get away from those two, but then uh, Luther gets kidnapped by the second episode by the sparrows, and he's held prisoner, but he gets to have this bonding time with Sloan, uh, and then eventually the two of them hook up. And I, I actually really liked that sequence too, because she kind of used her telekinesis to like bring her up, him up to her window, and then they kiss. It was almost like West Side Story, where he's like outside in the alleyway, but she uses telekinesis to bring her to him. Yeah. Um, and, and then in the next episode, uh, well, season three. Before we, we move off of that here, and, and that scene also, we kind of get more of a, a view on, uh, you know, what's going on in the Sparrow Academy there behind the scenes there. That you know, how there's every they're always being watched and they're. Being controlled, and it's kind of curious uh, as to who or what is doing that, because it's not Reginald, because it seems like he's you know being pacified by pills and uh, and whatnot, uh, you know, based on the, the scene with with Klaus. Um, so there's also that kind of mystery bubbling up uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. I like that you haven't seen more than I have of season three, so you don't know what's going to happen. I don't yet. No. And and again, like this, there is a comic, you know, called Hotel Oblivion, and it seems to be fairly different from this so far. Um, And 
and the sparrows are just one page in that comic at the very yeah. end. So a lot of this, much like season two, is likely very new territory. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Luther, you know, he kind of puts it together. Before he leaves, he thinks, oh, you're trying to honeypot me. Like, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, essentially, the, the Sparrows and the uh, Umbrella Academy have each other at, like, a stalemate, where the Sparrows believe that the Umbrella Academy has Marcus, and then the Umbrella Academy thinks that the uh, Sparrows have the briefcase they can use to get back to their timeline. And Lila, Lila, the cool thing about her is that she's able to mirror the powers of any person that has powers, and so she, like, uses that Raven power to get the briefcase for herself. Are her and, powers um, more like Mimic from like X Men? It's like she has to be nearby to use the power. I think. Yeah, it kind of yeah. That's what it seems like. It's not like Rogue. Like I don't think she has to touch them or anything. Yeah, yeah. But I mean that that was actually a huge reveal in the end of season two when all of a sudden she's did Vanya's power. You know. Um. So yeah, that's a great point that you bring up about um like who's actually watching the Sparrows because it's not Hargreaves. He's been sort of neutered, and it's funny because rereading the comic i forgot that he was an alien and that's like this this cool one panel thing in the comic where they're like they say all the things that he is and they're like he's an alien and i believe um, they do reveal that in the in season two they do they do the the dad hargreaves was involved in this sort of like little syndicate that was a part of the kennedy assassination and at the very end they're kind of like taking him for granted they say oh you're gonna do what we want you to do and he goes and he like takes off his mask but you only see the back of his head and they just hear them being like attacked by him. That's so, kind of how the comic does it as well. Is that they don't directly show his face; they just show the the mask, the, the human Harvey's mask, kind of sitting there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, whatever is keeping him in place, whatever those pills are, there, there's obviously some kind of powerful force because he he's a very intellectually uh, dangerous person, but it seems like he's a physically dangerous person too. So that's yes. to be a powerful threat. Um. So then, at the end of that episode, we, we, we transition over to episode three, Pocket Full of Lightning. There's this great little sequence where Luther's all excited because he had sex for the first time. He's, like, running around town, like, all smiling and happy. At one point, he, like, goes up to, like, a bomb, and the bomb vomits right in front of him, and he's still happy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, spinning on, like, telephone pole or lampposts and all that, just, like, a very singing in the rain kind of thing yeah yeah and he goes and he like buys condoms and he's like i need condoms because i have sex now yeah yeah <laughs> love that shit. but then the guy that he buys condoms from gets destroyed by the the force yes and then he just kind of like walks away just oh okay yeah well i think he says oh shit which is kind of like almost like a oh boy for him yes yeah he says oh shit a lot like oh shit um so anyway in this one the the very like cold open which is interesting because that's one of the things I love about the show too is that usually you'll have this like very unique opening scene that has almost like nothing to do with the rest of the plot. Um, and in this case, they show what a grandfather paradox is. And it's almost like one of those like, you know. Uh, so that's, the beginning, that's the beginning of episode four. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Sorry <laughs> about that. Okay. So anyway, then let's. Um, oh, this one opens with. Does it open with. Uh, Harlan, like, showing, like, what happened to Sissy, and... I don't think... Uh, no, I, I don't think... The, the only indication we've gotten that that is Harlan is Victor saying Harlan at the very end of the scene where 
the Sparrow Academy and the Umbrella Academy meet in the, the hotel lobby, and then it looks like Damien Alfonso die because he uses, yeah. he uses uh, Victor's power and he acquires. Yeah. So that's the only indication that we had that that's Harlem so far. Okay. Okay. I got to be careful because I've I've essentially watched twenty three episodes of this show like in the past like week or two. So it, you know, are, are you, uh, how, how far did you, did you? How much further did you get than than I did so far in four and three? I'm I'm just in episode four. Okay. Right. So like. Because there's ten in one, ten in the second, and then I watched three of this, so yeah, okay. it's starting to blur together. But in this third episode, um, let's see. Yeah, actually, we kind of talked about a lot. Of yeah, this third we kind of covered everything, I think. All right, never mind. Yeah, yeah. So, do you, have anything... <laughs> so do you have anything else like you want to bring up about this show in general or this season? Um, yeah, the uh, I guess just. It... I'm I'm interested so far. Uh, I, you know, there there are some mysteries that I, I don't know yet. Uh, I like that it's it's kind of unknown territory from the comics. Uh, I, I I've grown to appreciate the the changes in this show, unlike some other shows here and there that just kind of change things. But for whatever reason, it, it seems to be working for them. And you know, let's see where it goes. Yeah, I think that if you look at everything that we cover, we cover the Disney Plus Marvel shows. We've covered Peacemaker. Uh, on HBO Max, and then we've covered Jupiter's Legacy. Am I missing anything from what we've covered as far as shows? Uh, yeah, this Star Wars, Marvel, HBO Max, and and, uh, and Netflix. Really, that's all we've done so far. Right, and I, I feel like each one of those is its own thing, right? Like the Netflix shows are their own thing. I feel like tonally and like the way that they curse and the violence and stuff in this show kind of matches up with Jupiter's Ascending. It's not on the same level as Peacemaker. Um, and then the Marvel shows are their own thing, right? Where there's not really any cursing. There's not really a lot of blood. There, there's clearly a type that I prefer. You know, I prefer these shows where they're kind of violent and over the top and, and silly and weird. Like, I, I think that if we were to just randomly rank the shows that we've covered, like, I would, like, put Peacemaker maybe right at the top this show after that, then the, the MCU shows, and then Jupiter's Ascending at the very bottom. Oh, we forgot Amazon and the boys. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would put but the yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah. so uh, for me, Peacemaker, Peacemaker and the boys are at the top, basically, so far, the three right. shows that we've covered. And right. I oh, God, I'd throw Doom Patrol there, too. Oh, my God. We forgot that, too. <laughs> Young Justice, oh Doom God. Patrol. Yeah, so honestly, if I had to rank the services here, uh, I would say that you know um, HBO Max is kind of at the top here, with Amazon, uh, you know, closely following with. Not that we, we didn't review Invincible, uh, but you know we did both watch it, and uh, and The Boys is, is right after, and then yeah. you know somewhere uh, I, I guess Marvel's third, and I guess Netflix is, is dead last here for the most part. Yeah, I mean I, I, right. I do like this show, but I, I don't think it's quite um, uh, up to the standards of, of, of the other stuff. Uh, I mean. Maybe you could argue with some of the Marvel stuff, but um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well put, well put. Yeah, I totally forgot about um, Doom Patrol and, and then The Boys, of course. Holy shit. And then you mentioned Young Justice in there, too. Like, there's something about these shows where if they can be kind of bizarre and violent and, and absurd, that, that seems to be working for these comic book shows. Yeah, it's, it's really like more... A little bit edgier, pushing the boundary, I suppose, just surprising you. Um, yeah. You know, the a lot of the 
the Marvel shows, they do have, you know, surprises and shocks and twists, but they feel, they all feel a lot safer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I would like, I actually would love maybe when we're done with this, when we do our third episode of this, maybe if we could actually rank all of the shows that we've reviewed so far, I'd, I'd actually really oh, wow. like to do that. Okay. Yeah. You know, just see okay. where Umbrella Academy ranks, because I certainly would not put this at the bottom. No. Um, I would put it ahead of a lot of the Marvel shows, actually. Um, but then when you when you throw in like Doom Patrol and The Boys, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I like those. Better. I'm pretty sure <laughs> we both agree that that Jupiter's Legacy is at the bottom. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That fucking guy. What's that fucking guy from uh, the Transformers movies? Josh Demol. Josh Demol and his fucking wigs, man. Holy shit. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have to watch that shit anymore. Yeah. That that was maybe the hardest thing to review for this channel. I think, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I cool, man. Well, they have um, Super Crooks on Netflix now too. Oh yeah, that's supposed to be like an anime, right? It, it is. It looks very anime, yes. Um, but I'm like, oh, do I want to get back involved with that again? I mean, it depends. I think they're actually supposed to make Magic Order into a TV show too, right? Really? Yeah, yeah. Wait, TV show or? I mean, I guess that work is a TV show. That's such a weird book to me. There's a weird turn in that, I yeah. guess. Um, yeah. Is that's that's also that's Miller too, right? Or, or all Miller? It's all Miller. Yeah, it feels yeah. very Miller. Um, yeah, man, I, I'd be curious to see that. But I, I had mixed reactions to the Magic Order. Fuck, I gotta read that, man. I yeah, just just to give an idea, like. Like over here, I don't know if people can see all this shit, but th th this is all the books I have to read. These are like literal books, like novels, right? And then back here are all my comics and your comics that I have to read too. Ooh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I see. I saw X of Swords there. It's kind of hard to read, but I saw it. I just, <laughs> I, I just bought a Fire tablet because I'm so yeah. angry at Comicsology and and stupid me has to buy into their uh, system rather than fight against it. Um, yeah. You can't buy things in app on either iOS or Android anymore. But that's right. An Amazon device, you can. So, I it was so inconvenient to me to buy comic books that I bought a Amazon device just to simplify buying comics. I so fucking annoying. Really toyed with just going back to the traditional comic shop, buying issues, going there every week. But like, yeah. Ultimately, I don't have the space. I don't have the space for comic books. Yeah, come um, on, you need it for Transformers. And and then also like. You know, looking through my my extensive, what fifteen plus years of comicsology buying, I have yeah. thousands of books. I can't just abandon that. No, no, yeah, I know. But, uh, I, I, totally I just downloaded. The point was, I just downloaded about a hundred comic books that I, of my backlog that I want to read. Oh my god! And most of those are X Men. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I want to get into for your books is the X Men stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, I um, bought I bought Axe Judgment uh, today too. Also, so you can read that. Fuck, I wanted to buy that too. Um, yeah, yeah, all right. Well, cool. Well, so it looks like we should sign out of here and go read some fucking comics. But it has been a pleasure talking to you about Umbrella Academy. And I'm very, very happy that you recommended we watch this show. I hey, really I'm so happy that you breezed through this show in like, what, three weeks? That's insane. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo. <laughs> I just, you know, maybe I neglected my kids a little bit. I'm like, I gotta see what Klaus is doing. Go play it yourself. You know, <laughs> but anyway, um, but Brian and I will be here next Wednesday night where we're going to talk about episodes four, five, and six of season three. So we will see you cats next Wednesday at 9.15.